Are you interested in sustainability? Are you also considering an MBA? Well, Georgetown University's McDonough School of Business offers an outstanding MBA program and an MS in Environmental and Sustainable Management. And today's interview is with the Associate Dean of Admissions for both programs. Pull up a chair. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 512th episode of Admission Straight Talk. Thanks for joining me. Before we dive into today's interview, I want to give you a gift. Accept its free download, Fitting In and Standing Out. This guide will help you navigate the paradox at the heart of admissions. Realize that you need to show in your application simultaneously that you fit in at your target schools and that you stand out in the applicant pool. Grab your copy at acceptit.com slash F-I-S-O for fitting in and standing out. Again, that's acceptit.com slash F-I-S-O. It gives me great pleasure to have back on Admission Straight Talk, Shelly Heinrich, Associate Dean for MBA and MS ESM Admissions and Director of Marketing at Georgetown's McDonough School of Business. Shelly has been leading Georgetown's admissions efforts since 2014 and became Associate Dean in 2017. She earned her BBA from Texas Christian University, her Master's in Educational Administration from UT Austin, and her Executive MBA from Georgetown. Shelly, welcome back to Admission Straight Talk. It's wonderful to be back. Thanks, Linda, for having me. My pleasure. Now, let's start with some really basic questions. Can you provide an overview of both Georgetown's MBA programs and the MS in Environmental and Sustainability Management, or the ESM, which will make it a lot easier for me to pronounce? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with MBA. The good news is our is our three MBAs are the, the same in that we have a full-time, a flex in-person for working professionals and a flex online for working professionals. Mm -hmm. Yep. So they're all 54 credits. You get the same degree and you have access to the same experience at Georgetown McDonough. So it makes it very easy to to talk about. Full-time is 20 months, like a normal full-time two-year program would be. And then the two flex programs are anywhere between two and a half years to five years. But you're taking the same classes. You have the same core for the first half of the program. And then you get to choose from electives in the second half of the program. At Georgetown, we don't require you to choose a concentration. We really feel that um, you should customize based on what is of interest to you and or really what your skill gaps are, right? There's so many hats that we wear in in, uh, our jobs today that may be strategy or marketing or finance or budgeting. So we want you to fill those skill gaps in the electives of your choosing. So very briefly, those that is the nuts and bolts of the, the MBA programs. I should say that the Flex Online is newly launched. So we will be enrolling our first cohort this coming fall. Um, and we're really excited. So moving now to the Master of Science in Environment and Sustainability Management. It is a lot of syllables, so we do shorten it to ESM. But you know, we welcomed our first cohort this past fall. So we launched it a year and a half ago, and our first cohort of 45 students started in August. And it is an 11-month program, 30 credits, and it's an interdisciplinary academic program at the intersection of business and science. So it's very unique 
for, for Georgetown McDonough, we're actually partnering with the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences in this interdisciplinary format, which for a university is, is pretty unique. And we're really excited at the innovation and launching this degree. So that's very basic about the the. Also new things, right? You have the, mm-hmm. the ESM is a new program or fairly new. Yep. And obviously you have another the flex program. And one yep. one question we get a lot from applicants to part-time programs or to online programs, is the degree any different? Is there an asterisk after the the MBA for the flex time or the part-time programs? Or is it just you have a master's in business administration from Georgetown, McDonough, whatever option you choose? Yep, that is what your degree says is is MBA. Um, even if you did our executive MBA, it just says MBA. So students can be assured that they're getting the same rigorous coursework classes, professors. It's not a diluted version of any of the MBAs that you do with us. Okay, great. Now, if someone is interested in a sustainability and management business, who should go for the MBA and just customize the program so that it's focused on sustainability and who should go for the MS ESM? Yeah, you know, this is one of the questions applicants really have to answer for themselves nowadays. I mean, you look back 20 years ago, it just used to be an MBA degree. You went to business school, you got an MBA degree. Now you have MBAs in all different flavors. um, And then you also have specialized masters. And the way to think about these two degrees are, you know, specialized masters are really good if you want to specialize in a certain topic. You know, if it's a certain function or industry area, you know, for the short term, um, or maybe even for the long term, that that is what you want to do, right? So in a specialized ESM master's, you know that you want to go into sustainability. You've decided upon that for your career, which is fantastic. I feel like sometimes, you know, we're, you know, some of us are still learning what we want to do, even when we're, when we're adults, um, but, you know, you, the classes are all going to center around that topic. The case studies that you would do, the, the group projects are going to be around that specialized topic. And you can kind of guarantee that all the students in your class will all be interested in that same topic as well in a specialized master's. They're typically shorter, you know, so most specialized master's degrees are a year or less. Um, and therefore, the cost it reflects the shorter nature of the program. With an MBA degree, it, in most traditional two-year MBAs, you do a, a year of core courses, which are a breadth of topics. So you do get exposed to a lot of different topic areas. And then typically, at least with Georgetown, in the last half of your program, you choose your electives. So someone at Georgetown could choose to do an MBA focusing on courses in sustainability. They can even actually get a certificate in sustainability at Georgetown through the MBA and then participate in the various clubs related to sustainability. So this could be good for someone who thinks they maybe want to do sustainability, but maybe they're not sure and or they want to leave the door open maybe three, five, seven years from now when they might want to pivot to something else. Because an MBA is that degree that can allow you to pivot long into the future into another type of industry. You know, it's a little bit longer. Also, the, the, the cost reflects that, but it is a broader degree in scope. All right. Thank you very much. That was very helpful. Basically the same question for the MSESM, but with a slightly different focus. There are other master's degrees and sustainabilities. What distinguishes Georgetown's program in environment and sustainability management from other similar programs? So when we were doing the research, I was on the, the task force to launch this program. And when we were doing kind of research of what other schools were out there in that combined 
science knowledge plus business knowledge, we noticed that there were degree programs that were either housed only in an environment school. So they were like in a school of environment, the school of you know science, mm-hmm. or we noticed kind of what we just talked about. They were in a business school where they were, it was a business degree with a little bit of a flavor of environment sustainability. What we saw lacking was a university saying, no, we, we wanted to be almost equal. We want to have half professors from the environment and science classes in their, in their pedagogy and half professors from business coming together for this interdisciplinary approach. And, you know, I think someone outside of the academic world may say, well, that's a no brainer to kind of merge. And, um, but in the university world, merging schools at an institution like Georgetown, it's pretty innovative. And so that's what we did. We said, we're going to take experts in the field of business, experts in the field of science and environment and put it together into a degree. So you can look at the curriculum chart and see half classes in each discipline. And then some classes that were what we call interdisciplinary, where the topics are being combined. And and what that also does is it gives students the best of both worlds. In many cases, they get access to different events and clubs at the McDonough School of Business. They get access to different clubs at the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences. They also get access to the Earth Commons. So, you know, we're kind of um, providing them more resources in many ways than had that degree only been housed in one school. And so it was a really exciting initiative. And, and you know, we, we didn't know what to expect when we launched the degree, but in our first application round, you know, three months after launching, we had a hundred applications and we had, you know, total of four application rounds. So it was really exciting to be a part of this growth at Georgetown. That's fantastic. And how many students are in the ESM program, the MSESM? So uh, we we have 45 this first cohort. Mm-hmm. It was funny last year, you know, we set out saying, okay, we're going to try to get 40 students. And then after our first round, we had 100 applications. And then throughout the next three rounds, more and more and more, we actually got to a room capacity constraint where we could have enrolled a larger class, wow. but classrooms that we were scheduled to be housed in had a, had a Fire, fire hood capacity. And honestly, that is why we limited it to 45, which seems silly, but that's actually the reality of what happened. Yeah. So, any, yeah. any plans to add on to the room or expand the class? You know, so for this year, um, so far, we're tracking ahead of last year, which is great. So we'll see what, what happens in May. But I will say, you know, in the future of this program, we may think of doing something for working professionals, um, or we may think of doing something that's, you know, more accessible virtually. But as of right. now, uh, our goal is to keep the quality of the students high. And so I think for this, at least for this next year, we'll probably keep it the same size. And you didn't say it explicitly, but it was kind of implied that the MSESM is an in-residence program. Yes, I should say that. It's an in-person, you, you in-person program. Classes are during the daytime hours. We do have students doing internships at, and working at about 20 hours a week. So we so you can still work part-time while in the program. So for example, if you're if you're working at one of these large, you know, environmental organizations in DC and, and they allowed you to kind of scale back and go maybe only 20 hours a week, you could still do the program in person while working part-time. Right. It must be pretty rigorous though. It is. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a 30, 30 credit, 11 month program. So, I mean, you're, it is rigorous. Yeah. Where are graduates of Georgetown's both its MBA program and its MSESM program? Where are they finding jobs? Yep. So um, with MBA program, you know, we're very similar to a lot of traditional programs where we have 
your top three students going into consulting, finance, and technology. Georgetown's MBA, though, also has a lot of diversity outside of those top three. So we have students going into real estate, you know, nonprofit, entrepreneurship, global organizations as well. So there's a little bit more diversity in the pie, if you want to say that, in terms of our post-MBA career outcomes. And then for ESM, I think what's exciting is we haven't graduated our first class. So let's see where they're going. But I will say, you know, the, the green economy, you know, when we started researching this, the World Economic Forum produces, you know, kind of these predictions of the amount of jobs that will be produced in the green economy by 2030. And it's in the multi-millions. Um, I, I think I think 24 million rings a bell, don't quote me, but I think 24 million. And, and I started looking at these jobs and all of your major Fortune 100, 500, for-profit companies, but then NGOs have some type of sustainability positions now. And it's incredible. I mean, you look at major sports apparel companies or major hotel brands, you know, major food companies, and they all have sustainability jobs. And so the interesting thing, though, is there's not a lot of programs, degree programs that are producing graduates with the skills yet um, for these jobs. And so that's, I think, where Georgetown has filled quite a a niche and gap there. You're really at the forefront then. I'd like to think so, yes. (laughs) Right. What kind of academic background are you looking for in applicants to to both the programs, both the MBA and the MSESM? Much the same or somewhat different? Well, I would say, so for MBA, I would say for both programs, we, we need to see some level of quantitative ability. So when I say quantitative, having some knowledge of statistical forces is going to give you a head start. That's you know, been, I think some of the classes where when people come in a varying level of stat statistics uh, abilities, it has, you know, it's, it maybe isn't the best classroom experience. Um, and so, you know, if you can come in having some basic stats class, mm-hmm. you've done it online, you've done it for credit, that's going to give you an, an even playing field coming into both of the programs. In terms of though majors that suit best, I mean, for an MBA, we have all different kinds of majors, right? I think maybe a third of people for an MBA come from a traditional business major, And after that, it could be humanities, liberal arts, engineering, science, really all over the map. I think what we've seen for the ESM program is we had about 40% come from some type of environmental or natural science background, which was a large chunk. And then the other 60% were very diverse, you know, everything from economics to government to, you know, business, humanities. I just think by the nature of who would be attracted to this program, we're going to have some people that came from environment or science. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably a more focused, you know. Great. Exactly. exactly. And in terms of experience, specifically work experience, what do you expect again for the, the MBA programs as opposed to the MSESM? So for the MBA program, you have to have a minimum of two years at the time that you start the program. The average though is typically between four to six years. And that's the average because that's where employers kind of say it's the sweet spot when they come to hire. We have had students come in with 10 years work experience, but their career goals have to just be adjusted a little bit, right? Like, because they aren't going to be, they're going to be overqualified for some of the traditional MBA jobs. And so they're going to have to be willing to do more um, just-in-time recruiting, kind of one-off recruiting for the level that they're qualified for. Or perhaps they have their own business or yep, exactly. a job waiting for them. Exactly. Or they've come out of the military and they're looking to transition. So so that's kind of the, the age. 
For a specialized master's degree, and in particular the ESM program, it's skewing slightly younger. So the average is, you know, just under four years of work experience mm-hmm. versus an MBA, which is, you know, between like four and six. We do allow people to come out of undergrad, right out of undergrad. Right. Was that that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Um, they do need to have significant though internship or kind of project experience in environment sustainability. So they've got to be able to kind of contribute in the classroom. And that's going to come from a very you know, engaged undergraduate experience. So we have let some people right out of undergrad, um, but then we have people, you know, with 10 years of work experience who perhaps 10 years ago, they didn't have any options for an environment or sustainability master's because they weren't there. And so they've now come back to say, I either have been working in this field and now want some formal education in it, or I'm looking to pivot my field into this. Yes, we have people of all different experiences, the one common thread is they all have a passion for environment and sustainability, as you could imagine. Right, right. Otherwise, it wouldn't wouldn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. It has to be a demonstrated passion in terms of what they've done in the past. I noticed that tests are optional for the MSESM, and they are required, but waivers are available for, for the MBA. Why the difference? And is it really a difference? That's great. And, you know, it's one of these things like seven years ago, eight years ago, we wouldn't have been asking this question at all. No, and it's all. now, it's not now, it would have been a silly question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but it's very relevant today. So, for the ESM program, uh, it is optional. And we say it's optional because truly it is. There's no, you don't need to prove anything. You don't need to show anything. Like, if you already have the test, great, submit it. Or perhaps if your GPA is you know, lacking and or you don't have a lot of work experience that's substantial, then maybe that standardized test could help elevate your profile, but it is strictly, strictly optional. For the MBA program, this year we have moved to a waiver process. Now there's two different waivers. For our full-time program, you actually have to apply for the waiver and be accepted or admitted with the waiver before you can then apply for the program. There are certain criteria. You have to 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 apply for the waiver first. It's a very short like kind of form to say, you know, do you meet the GPA criteria? Do you meet the quantitative work experience? So it's a short uh, Google form you, you fill out. And then we will say, yep, you've been waived. The test has been waived for you. And now you can submit the application without a test. And the reason for that is we want to be fair to applicants, you know, full-time program, we get large volume of applications. It takes people a lot of time to go through the application process. And if we prepare for the test, yeah, exactly. And to write the essays and to get the recommendations. So we want to tell people right away, are you, are you going to be eligible without a test or not? Because we don't want to take your application fee, go through the whole process and then say, you know what? you're not, you're not eligible without a test. So you kind of wasted your time. We'd rather let them know up front, save their time, save our time and, and then move forward because the volume Same time, is- if they're admissible without the test or, you, you know, you don't need the test, right? why put them through the, the test prep and the test? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So we want to be, con- you know, cognizant of their time and, and do that in the beginning of the process with the, with our flex program. If you meet the criteria we've listed on our website, you can submit without a test. It's a lower volume of applications. Any part-time program in any in MBA in the U.S. is a lower volume than their full-time. We're attracting local audiences, not global audiences. And what we look for in a flex part-time applicant is 
you know, a little bit different. Like we're emphasizing more of their work experience in terms of what they bring to the class. Like, yes, academics are important, but we're looking at different contributions in the admissions process. So both offer test waivers. At the end of the day, we want to know that if, a, if an MBA student is going to be successful in the quantitative classes of the curriculum, finance, stats, accounting. And so people can show that through their standardized test. They can show it through quant classes that they took in undergrad. Perhaps they have a CPA or CFA. Perhaps they do quantitative. We just want all of our students set up for success when they start the program. And that's you know why perhaps there's a difference between MBA and ESM because MBA is a more highly quantitative degree. All right, great. Again, somewhat similar question. The essay questions for the two programs are really quite different, but you're yeah. the one you're you're the one managing both of the the processes, right? Yeah. So the MSM has a fairly typical statement of purpose or personal statement kind of essay question, but the MBA gives applicants three options and asks them to respond to one. And they're all related to different values of the three questions, right? Mm -hmm. um, the video essay for the MSESM is about long-term career goals. The video essay for the MBA asks for a hobby, passion, or what you want to do for fun in your free time and why. Are you doing an experiment on the two programs, trying to see <laughs> yeah. what kind of responses you get? Or do you feel that the, you know, that there's a, you know, what is the reason for the different questions? Yeah, different no, approach? great question. So for ESM, we'll start with ESM. Uh, okay. Just like it's an interdisciplinary academic degree, we have an interdisciplinary admissions committee. So it. it's a it's a different process. We have people from the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences, we have faculty on the admissions committee, and then we have admissions professionals. So different structure um, uh, entirely. But also, if you look at the questions we're asking, we want to get to know this audience. It is a new program. And, you know, we want to know why are they interested in environment sustainability? We know at the school why it's important and we know where these students are going. But we want to hear from them why they're interested in this kind of new degree. And why are they choosing Georgetown versus some of the other programs out there? Because if we're going to be spending 11 months talking about environment sustainability, someone sh needs to be able to write an essay that says why they're passionate about it, because it's a highly kind of concentrated topic of interest and, and focus in the in the program. So, so that's why it's a little bit different questions, because it's, it's new and we want to get to know the, the audience. And then we want to know how they're planning to use this in the future in environment sustainability. With an MBA, as we've kind of talked about, it's a totally diverse audience. People are going to all different types of uh, jobs, industries, skills, they're starting their own companies. An MBA is a well-established kind of degree. People know what they're getting into and know why they're doing it. And so we really want to get to know the diverse uh, complexity of the of the student audiences. And, and um, we get to know that through the three prompts that we've provided. What I love about how we do this at Georgetown is we don't force people into one essay. We give them three, allow them to think about what sells their value proposition the best, and then answer that the best one. And they also focus on our values. You know, if you think principal leadership, the com you know helping the common good, um, diversity in the Georgetown community, these are very strong values of Georgetown. And admitting people that are going to be a part of that thread of our community and value fabric is really important. In both programs, though, we have video essays, and I love video essays because it allows us to get to know the candidate in a hopefully non-stressful environment. Sometimes the applicants get very stressed out by the interview experience. They shouldn't. We try not to make it stressful, but they do. 
And so the video essay allows them to re-record and record that video essay as much as they want until it feels they feel like it represents them. And then it allows us to see them in a very normal, non-stress environment. And we get to know them a little bit outside of paper as well. So um, that's why we do the video essay. It's helpful in the MBA because of the, the volume of applications and the volume of people in the admissions committee. In the ESM program, we don't have an evaluative interview component. So this video essay is kind of in, in substitution of it. Right. Any any plans to introduce an interview to the ESM admissions process? You know, not at this time, but as with any new program, we every year kind of evaluate and optimize and get feedback. So because it's a smaller program, we're already getting to know the candidates a lot in the pre-application process. So our admissions recruiter, you know, can almost go down the line of the applications and say, yep, I've met with that person, met with that person, that met, you know, so we just get to know them a little bit more. And so at this point, no evaluative interview, but we'll see. We'll see how that might change. Sure. What can an interviewee to the MBA program expect if they're lucky enough to be invited to interview? Yeah. Um, is, it virtu- well, is it all virtual now? Or are you starting to do in person or... We are completely back back in business, as I say. Okay. Uh, I mean, yes, we we are offering virtual. Certainly, it's more conducive sometimes to people's schedules and the travel cost. But we want people to come to campus. I think when you step onto Georgetown's campus, and especially the Hariri Building, it's a it's a magnificent um, oh, campus, just, and you yeah, yeah. you know you really feel the weight of the you know the history and the prestige. And so we want people to come to campus to get to know our community. But obviously, you know, if if it works better to do virtual, they can do that. So what can you expect? It's 20 to 25 minutes. We give candidates, you know, then a few minutes to ask some questions of us. It could be from a member of the admissions team or an alumni or a student interviewer. So we have a a large team. Um, We do that so we can reduce biases by having multiple opinions and perspectives. We have a series of questions or topics we will ask students but we also like to have the conversation flow. So if you say something that's a really interest to, you know, to us, we, we may say, we may ask you to expand on that. The goal is for us to picture how you will fit within the, the cohort um, from an academic perspective, from a giving back to the student experience perspective, from an alumni perspective. And so um, we're trying to you know, see how you really fit with the, the culture and community at Georgetown. But don't be nervous. Just have a conversation with us, get to know us as we're getting to know you. It's a two-way, it's a two-way street, really. Right. So they should also prepare questions for you, shouldn't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. That is one of the, you know, kind of I would say biggest mistakes that I've seen applicants make is I'll say, Do you have any you know questions that I can answer for you? And they'll say, some people will say, Well, I I've had all my questions answered from all of the students and admission staff that I've previously spoken with. And that may be the case. But still ask a question anyways, um, because (laughs) even if you already know the answer, think you know the answer, ask it anyways, because it does show that you're a level of interest in the school and we are gauging the level of interest you have in us when we interview you. So again, just repeat something, even if you feel like you know the answer. Right. Great advice. Now, just to clarify, you said that you have a large team of interviewers. But mm-hmm. you're, the, the applicant is interviewed by one one person, correct? Correct. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. It's one correct. interview with one person, so it's one-on-one. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. Now, when this show airs, there will still be, I think, two rounds available for this application. It's supposed to air on March 7th, and the de- deadlines are March 30th and May 2nd for the MBA program, and April 3rd and May 15th for the MSASM. 
Is an applicant at a disadvantage if they apply in these later rounds? Are they better off waiting until next year? No, you're not at a disadvantage. There is always room for good applicants. I would say in particular this year, we are very empathetic to these tech layoffs. I almost feel like in some ways it's mirroring the layoffs of 2020 and 2008. So people from fantastic companies that are now saying, let me reevaluate. Am I in the right industry? Am I in the right function? And if the answer is, I don't know or no, come do an MBA and kind of reset um, and figure it out or come and do a specialized master's to make yourself that more marketable to guard against potential layoffs maybe in the, in the future. So investing in yourself with a graduate degree will only help you in the future, but it can also give you some mental space to really think through and introspect in what's happening in your personal and professional life and figuring out what's right for you. And then you also gain a, a great network of colleagues as well. So it's not too late to apply. If you are if you are ready, submit an application. In a worst case scenario, let's say we don't have room for you. We love reapplicants. Reapplicants have a high percentage of admit rate. So when I see people, when we pulled the numbers and we see reapplicants that have come back and maybe improved their application a little bit from the previous year based on feedback we give them, their admit rate is higher than just um, applicants in, in in their first try. So have a conversation with us. We want to get to know you and definitely apply. Okay. Has Georgetown made any accommodations for the laid off workers or are you just planning to, um, I guess, reserve more seats for the third and fourth round, given what's been going on the last couple of months? Yeah. So we did make accommodations in that we were going to only leave our full-time test waiver open in the fall. Mm-hmm. We decided um, to extend the test waiver into the spring because, you know, studying for a test can take three, four or five months. And and we knew, know that candidates that are, this is affecting candidates right now, they may not have that time. Right. So we just extended what we had already done in the fall. We do have, if you look at our application fees, we have different criteria that we introduced about a year ago based on your income level. So if you are under certain income levels, therefore, if you were just laid off, you can qualify for different waivers or reductions. So that's something we've always um, been proud to do to recognize people from different socioeconomic statuses. Georgetown has always had four rounds. So I know I see a lot of other uh, MBA programs like adding a fourth round uh, or adding a third round. We've always had four rounds. So, you know, for us, we will keep that. And then may extend some rolling flexibility right after the fourth round. We will just kind of see how everything goes. So. Okay, great. What about those planning ahead to next fall? How the how can they prepare to apply successfully to either of these two programs? And I realize yep. that the MBA really is three programs with the executive <laughs> MBA. There's a fourth program. Let's, let's just focus on MBA and and uh, yep. the ESM. What what should yep. they be doing? What should they be examining in their background to see if they need to improve something and, and yeah. be ready for the fall? So. I can tell an applicant that has gotten to know us really well because they have come to various events, even if they're virtual, they have talked with some current students and they've maybe talked with some alum. And by doing all those conversations, by the time they get to the application process and the interview process, they can talk very naturally and very authentically about why they're interested in Georgetown. And it comes through, you know, it's not like they're memorizing facts from our resume. They just speak about it because 
they came to campus or they had lunch with this blum or, you know, so, and we can tell that authenticity and that weighs in, you know, pretty heavily to the admissions and interview process. Uh, Cause any school wants candidates that want to be at their school. You know, I could speak for any of my colleagues that would say that. So use this next six months to do that. Get to know the schools, get to know Georgetown because it will then further convict you if we're the right school for you as well. So it's a, it's a, it helps you and helps us. So do that, you know, come visit us. We have different in-person uh, or virtual sessions and we were, we are back traveling throughout the world. So check out our website. We'll be at a, hopefully a city or a country near you in the next uh, six to eight months. And we'd love to meet you. Sounds good. Thank you. I also realized I forgot to ask a question I, I had planned to ask earlier. And that is when I was, when I was preparing for the call, I saw that there were some really interesting projects that the ESM students were doing. Could you dive into that for a moment? Yes, definitely. So this is the capstone um, uh, project. So there's always, in any of our graduate programs, there's always a very hands-on capstone experience. And so we just announced or about to announce the capstone projects for the ESM students. We have companies like Amazon, Department of Energy, Starbucks that are going to be participating in this capstone project. So students will be in small teams. They will solve a problem for these companies and then present their recommendations to the to the companies. So really excited about those for the ESM program, all very environment and sustainability focused. And it kind of mirrors the global business experience that our MBA students do, uh, which also tackles and solves a problem for a a current company. Uh, You know, in terms of other projects, uh, just to add on for ESM, we have, even in this first year, students who have already published articles in the supply chain management review. And they, and and then the topic of this article was, you know, palm oil supply chain. And it's just so impressive to say four months in, we have students publishing in in a top journal. So lots of things that are hands on in both programs. Great. You've been doing this now for several years. I'm not going to get, you know, too, too fine a point on that, but what do you see as a, a common mistake? You mentioned not asking questions in interviews. What do you see as a common mistake that applicants make? A common mistake is underselling their accomplishments on their resume. There's a lot of times where I see a student's resume and I then speak with them, whether it's an informational interview or it's an evaluative interview, and they start talking about some of their experiences in their job. And I'm looking at their resume and they've kind of undersold themselves. Um, for example, I was interviewing a candidate one time and they talked about how they got promoted at um, this top consulting firm. And I'm looking at their resume and their promotion is not on their resume. And they were at a Gosh. top consulting firm. And the person said, well, I just ran out of room. And I said, you never run out of room to say you've been promoted. <laughs> so you know, thinking through how to show those accomplishments, how to write a resume that is not bullets of responsibilities, instead bullets of accomplishments. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Quantify your accomplishments. What did what did you do to improve the process, the function, the, the department? So that's a, a big mistake that I see a, a lot of people making, to be very honest. So so do I. Yeah. 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 Really. Um, Uh, You know, one way to kind of guard against that is go to the website, you know, go to your company's website or go to your competitor's website and look at a similar job description to the one that you have and and think through, oh, wow, okay, yeah, this is what I'm doing. I mean, these are this is the way I can position my responsibilities, because sometimes from a bird's eye perspective, 
uh, it just, what you've written on your resume doesn't really reflect the value and truly um, uh, immense work that you're, that you're doing for a company. Maybe it's a matter of describing how you've exceeded what you're supposed to be doing. Exactly. Responsibilities are what you're supposed to be doing. The accomplishments are where you went beyond above and beyond. Exactly. Because when you see that, then it tells us at a school that you're going to be, you're going to go above and beyond in the program. You're going to go above and beyond when you get a job as an alum, you know, it, it builds a profile of who you are. Right. And another question that I, I hadn't planned to ask, but I definitely want to ask, and that is about Georgetown's location in, in DC. Okay, that's a very distinctive element of any program at at Georgetown in terms of both the MBA. I mean, some people will say, oh, I want to be in New York because it's, it's, you know, all the business, right? Madison Avenue, Wall Street, et cetera. Or I want to be in Silicon Valley because it's tech, right? You're in Washington, D.C. Yeah. What does that add to the program? Programs. Yeah. Washington, D.C. is the nexus everything in many ways. Um, Fortune 100 companies, nonprofits, NGOs, government. There's actually a statistic out there from the chamber that says there's the largest concentration of Fortune 500 companies represented in D.C. It may not be their headquarters, but there is a representation of companies that are out here. And what that means for applicants is when you're networking, you don't necessarily have to go to New York or Boston or Silicon Valley. There is going to be someone from an office that's here in DC that can get you your foot in the door that you can network with here having coffee versus having to necessarily take the train or take a plane somewhere. I will also say that we have tons of large speakers and world leaders that are in and out of DC all the time to do whatever they do. But while they're here, they often want to speak with students because it's fulfilling for them as a, as, a, as a leader. And so they often will come to Georgetown and they'll speak to students. And so our, our students get exposure to literally world and corporate leaders. Um, like, and, yeah, um, I mean, you know, I think every sitting president has uh, spoken at Georgetown. Um, we have, you know, whether it's the, you know, the uh, president of the Peace Corps or a, a chief in the military or, you know, CEOs of a bank or CEOs of consumer product good companies. I mean, coming coming to Georgetown. So that exposure from a learning perspective. Also, alumni are constantly in and out of D.C. And so being able to network and build your network is, is helpful. From a very work-life balance perspective, and I say this with a perspective, I'm from Texas. So I, I am, I've, I've lived in D.C. for a little bit of time now, but I'm originally from Texas. DC has a great work-life balance. I mean, there's the Potomac River. You can go kayaking. There's, uh, you can you know go two hours west of here and be in the mountains and ski. You can go three hours east of here and go be on the beach. Short ride to New York. I mean, we're just kind of in a great large city with a small town feel. Okay, great. What question would you have liked me to ask that I didn't ask? Why Georgetown? Maybe. Okay. Why Georgetown? Why, why Georgetown? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love this question because I um, I can talk about it with just authenticity that I believe in it. Georgetown provides very much. So, if you kind of what what makes Georgetown unique, I guess is how I maybe would re even word it. We have a global focus. So, because of our location in Washington D.C., which is a very global program, a global city. And because of the students that we attract, 
you know, we typically have over 40 countries in the MBA program, even in the ESM program this year, we had over 20 countries with 45 students. It's fantastic. Yeah. So you're getting to be exposed to this kind of global environment in a very short amount of time. Global nature of our professors, a third of them hold international passports. You're talking about global companies and global organizations. Second is our Jesuit background. I didn't know what a a Jesuit school meant or what it was before I came to work at Georgetown, to be very honest. I am not Catholic, um, but I've learned to appreciate what being a Jesuit means. And there's a real focus on care of the whole person and teaching in the classroom. So we hire professors that actually want to teach and are motivated by teaching, not just researching. And as an executive MBA student, I saw the stark difference going into the MBA classroom. These professors were almost like putting on a, a show. I mean, they were they were invested in this experience of the MBA, which was phenomenal. I would also say, you know, we teach at the intersection of what you know, business and society and politics and environment, looking at a more bird's eye view of what's happening in the world. And then, yes, being in DC. I mean, it is a part of your experience. If you know, if maybe an undergrad. I would have wanted to go to a more rural location, but if I'm in a professional degree program where my goal is to get a job coming out, I want to be where the, where the employers are, where the alumni are, where the networking is happening. I want to be in a city. And so you obviously get that at Georgetown. Great. Thank you. Thank you for adding that. I really appreciate it. Shelly, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed learning about Georgetown's MBA program a little bit more again and the MSESM program. So thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was always great to be on, Linda. My pleasure. Listener, you'll find links in the show notes at exhibit.com slash 512 to both Georgetown's MBA program and its MS in Environment and Sustainability Management, as well as to other resources worth exploring. Quick reminder, to pick up your gift, just download Fitting In and Standing Out, The Paradox at the Heart of Admissions. You can download your copy ASAP as soon as this recording is over at exhibit.com slash F. I-S-O. Again, that's accepted.com slash F-I-S-O. Listener, thank you too for tuning into this, our 512th episode. If you found the show helpful, subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever podcatcher you prefer. You can find subscribe links at accepted.com slash 512. This is Mission Straight Talk produced by Accepted, and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week. <music>